You're listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com. The title of this message is called Connections. And we're going to talk about connections this morning. Verse 1 and verse 2, pretty much only Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. Grace to you and peace. By way of introduction, I'm going to pray that God would help focus us. I'm also going to pray for my good friend, a very, very loyal son of our church, my good friend Chris Hartman, who's struggling greatly with cancer, and we're going to pray that God would heal him, okay? So join me as I pray over those two things. Lord Jesus, I start by believing your word and believing that you will carry my friend Chris Hartman through his illness, and we pray, God, we pray now that you would help him, and all that's been done medically to him would actually heal his body, that you would give him hope, that you'd give him strength, that you'd give him fire. We pray for his wife, Lord God. We pray mercy unto them. And so, Jesus, now we ask that you would hear our prayers as we pray to you, Lord God, directly by the name and authority of Lord Jesus Christ, we bring the blood on this circumstance which needs immediate answer to your prayer. Please hear our prayer. God, now as church, we pray, God, as we now enter in to the realm of the preaching of your gospel, by which you have given us the ability to know you, to understand you, and to comprehend you. So now, God, we come to you and ask that you would enter our spirits, that you enter our souls, and that you would actually revive us and teach us and guide us and help us to know you, the living Christ. Help us to know you, the true God. Help us, Lord God, to be on our knees before you. God, allow us to enter into to you with, with joy and with humility. And so, Father, now do all of this. We would pray in Jesus' name. Can all God's people say? Amen. Good job, church. Good job. So let's talk about connections. And this verse, which speaks about Paul, actually most of the Bible, you're going to know Silvanus as Silas, and Timothy, which actually has two books by his name, the Apostle Paul would write to his spiritual son, and they're in our Bibles known as First and Second Timothy. Those are part of the pastoral epistles where Timothy would become a pastor. He pastored Ephesus. He would end up becoming a, a stalwart for the faith. And so these three had spiritual connections with God and one another. So I want to talk about connections. I want to sort of open that up by talking about uh, Recently, I was traveling, and so I was at the airport. It reminded me as I was sitting in the airport relating, um, waiting for a connecting flight, I was thinking about just my own personal life where I grew up at airports. And my dad worked at LAX. He had a number of jobs, and he worked uh, long and hard. He worked often 16-hour shifts uh, just to put food on the table for us. And so oftentimes, as a boy, to go see my dad, I would go to the airport. And uh, I'm really going to date myself right now at church, so don't judge me. Uh, but I, I actually, as a teenager, I could actually go to LAX in my car, and I could drive on the tarmac. <laughs> there was no security. And my dad knew the security guard. I would just come and i just drive. Um, can't do that anymore. But when I was a boy, when I was a really young man, really, really, when I was just a little, little buddy, uh, my mom would take me to the airport, and I would just hang out with my dad for a couple of hours. And back in that day, uh, you could deplane, you'd get off the flight, but then all of your family was right there. I don't know if you can remember these days. Anybody who's like, you know, 20 is going, what are you talking about? 
but you could. You could actually be there, and there'd be you'd be greeted. They'd be just, just getting off the plane, balloons and and signs if it's something festive or whatever. But you would actually be right there. And so it's very different now since security has changed. And so so I'm really just a little boy. I mean, I'm sitting in these chairs and my feet are just dangling. I'm not touching the ground. I mean, that's how little I am. And my dad would be working. He would just, you know, just hang out there for a while. And uh, some of the airport staff would come by. And it was just, for me as a boy, it was great. I mean, imagine being a boy hanging out at the airplane, you know, and air, with airplanes. And so, so what I remember though, is these emotional reunions of connection. And I remember them like they were yesterday. Because when I was at that age, the Vietnam War was just winding down. And I can remember soldiers coming off of planes. And I can remember girlfriends and wives just jumping across the entire terminal, you know, into their hands of the soldier who came home. And I can remember one time with my feet dangling right there, and I'm just holding onto the side rails, and this soldier, of course, I'm so small, and they, everybody seems so big, but this soldier is on his knees, and he's just weeping, and his wife is just weeping, and there's little kids and babies, and they're just crying. And I can remember mom and dad's around this one situation where they're, they're touching. You have all of your fingers. You have, and they're trying to, they're literally trying to like take your boots off or all your toes there or all of your toes there. And they're just crying because you came home, because you came home, because you came home. It was incredible to watch. And this is sheer intensity of that emotion. The sheer intensity of that connection was, was something of a soldier coming home. And of course, there's others. There's, there's, there's lovers and engaged couples and friends, and there's professionals and there's signs for their cars and their rides. All of those are various kinds of connections. My, my dad works sometimes with the celebrities and high-profile politicians on a security detail, and so then there were those, and that's a whole interesting way of how that kind of person gets in and out of an airport. And so, so there are these connections that you see at an airport. Here's what I want you to know, church. We are designed to connect. We are designed to connect with God. This vertical connection is real. We are designed to connect with God. We're designed to go straight to him, to pray to him, and he's reaching down right now directly to talk to you, to save you, to guide you, to nurture you. He's, he's actually in heaven, but he's, he's operating here on earth, and so, so he's here to connect with you. We are designed to connect because God is this grand connector. He desires relationship with you, and he desires relationship with us. I still don't know why God wants relationship with me. I never called myself a great follower, a Christian disciple. Now, I'm so often on my knees weeping and crying and asking and presenting need upon need upon need to God. Like, Lord, are you tired of listening to my needs? What's the answer, church? No. You want to hear one more need, Jesus, that I have? Yeah. You want to come closer to me more? Yes. Because God is the grand connector. And so we have, we have relationships with him and with each other for that reason. Now, these three people, which I'm laboring, and I want you to understand Paul and Silvanus and Ty Timothy here in the Bible, now in the text, 
So their friendship was born out of difficulty. It's really interesting. It's not, you know, friendship can be born out of pleasant things. I was just at a men's conference this weekend, and it was absolutely fantastic. We had a great time. Uh, we were asked at the last minute to join uh, Anthem Church, uh, Anthem Chapel down in Goleta. And so we went. There were seven of us that went. There was 43 of them. And the seven of us tried to take over 43, you know. And, and, uh, but we had this war game. And our buddy Marty is winning the war game, right? So the one of us is just winning this war game. And we're just having fun as men, connecting. But these three people are connecting out of difficulty. Paul has actually done something that is probably sinful. He was actually with Barnabas. They had a fight. Somewhere in there is pride. Somewhere in there is stubbornness. And they simply choose to go their own way. This is found in the book of Acts, chapter 15, 16, and 17. This story of the breaking of this 18 between Paul and Barnabas. And so Paul picks Silas, Silvanus, and Timothy. And he says, these are, these are going to be my part of my team. And they end up developing quite a friendship. Silas in the Bible is really that guy who's kind of your wingman. I hope you, God always gives you one, and I hope you're that for somebody else. You know, where it's really fascinating. In the rest of the Bible, you don't see him, but you see him when he comes on the scene in the book of Acts, you just see him chapter after chapter. And it's basically, where is the Holy Spirit moving? Where is ministry taking place? There's Silas being supportive. Chapter 16. Chapter 17. Where is the Holy Spirit moving? Where is ministry taking place? Where is somebody to be supportive? Silas is there. Chapter 18. Same thing. Chapter 19. Pretty much to the end of the book, all you see is God doing something special, miracles taking place, people being saved, lives being changed, and Silas there being helpful. We don't know what he was doing specifically. He just seemed to be that wingman, that wing person, that support person who is saying, if you need someone to show up, I'll show up. May God always give us grace to be that person for somebody and somebody that for us. And so Timothy, Timothy is his spiritual son of Paul, loyal, faithful, uh, uh, learning constantly from the apostle. He's got to follow through some big shoes. He's following the apostle Paul, and he, he's going he's gonna to actually end up being part of this network of churches in modern-day Turkey as a pastor in Ephesus. And there's going to be a school that's going to be set up training people. Very interesting. This man, Timothy, is actually going to be a trainer, a spiritual trainer. He's going to send be part of that team, sending church planters out and evangelists out and missionaries out, and he's going to stay faithful to the very end. But this team was put together, born out of difficulty. And you need to know that. There, some, sometimes some of the difficulties of your life are there because God is actually nurturing that difficulty to redeem it for the very purpose of creating friendship. Because all of us here, if we're, if we're not sometimes proud, we're very capable of being proud. Or maybe we're proud right here, but we're trying to lay down our pride. One of the best definitions of pride I've ever heard is someone who simply said, I'm a proud man lying at the cross. And that's about right. None of us has ever done not being proud, but we can lay down before Lord Jesus Christ that kind of thing. And so, so these actually, in this difficulty of life, actually come into relationship and end up being friends. And you should have friends at church, and you should have friends in your life. Let me talk a little bit about friendship just for the moment. This is the idea about being a great connector. 
Listen, probably one of the questions I get asked the most is down the road of friendship, is down the road of getting along with people. And so what these three had to do by way of backstory was they had to actually adjust their expectations of one another and of what was going to take place. And can I tell you that if you have tension in your personal life, if you have tension in relationships, you probably somewhere in there need to change your expectations of that other person. Because it might just be possible that that other person cannot fulfill the expectation that you have. It actually might be possible that they're not promising you that they're going to be able to fulfill your expectations. They might be able to be faithful in other areas and love you in other areas, but there are areas that they're not going to be able to fulfill some of your expectations. And so when we want to get along here in the horizontal, we actually have to change our expectations in order to have better friendships, not putting on people things that they're actually not offering. These three knew the score. They knew, okay, well, Paul, it turns out that you could be really stubborn and it turns out you could kind of be really proud. And it turns out that maybe there's some selfishness sometimes inside of you where you just really want it your way. Okay, now I know that. <laughs> I'll work with it. I'll love you anyway. And I'll, I'll, I'll be your friend. And I'll be there for you. And I'll work that out. Deeper levels of knowing are possible to us in Christ. I think it's really fascinating that we can know one another professionally. So, you know, we can work with one another and we can have jobs. And I think it's really fascinating that people sometimes will actually really try and treat their job like church. And they'll have the expectations of people that they're working with that it's like church. And it's, it's like, what are you thinking? It's not church. The only reason why you're there, unless for some reason you're volunteering at a company, which I don't know why you do that necessarily, unless you ultimately wanted a job, but the reason, but the reason why you're there is because somebody paying you. Yes? So, so everyone at the job and workplace is there because they're getting paid. Yes, church? Yes. Okay, it's not church. So then, then, a, then a company will have like the company party and then they'll, you know, maybe they're going to have the company picnic. These are great things to do. And I've seen this and been part sort of pastoral of certain conflicts that sometimes come up from time to time. And so, so now we're going to have the company picnic and everyone's going to be happy and we're going to have, you know, all the things with that. But then the boss and the people know that next week we're going to let some people go. But today we're going to have the company picnic. That's professional life. And you just need to understand that. You need to understand that's the score. I do a job, I get paid, and maybe I like these people, and maybe I don't. And if I don't like them, I'll learn to get along with them. I'll learn to work with them. But that's a professional relationship. And it can be mutually beneficial. And it can be good, but that's not the same. That's different than a personal relationship. So you can know pers people personally. And you don't necessarily even need to be a Christian to have good personal relationships, although I'll talk at a moment about some of the differences. But, you know, you can know people personally. So, for example, I know that some people have cooking parties. Always invite me over to a cooking party. I love you. I love my barbecue brothers. Say, hey, Pastor, I'm barbecuing over here. You coming over? 
Oh, yeah. Always coming over when that barbecue's going, when you're grilling, you know, and you can call it wherever you're at in the United States, it's either barbecue and a grilling. But I like that. People sometimes have cooking parties and they invite friends over and they're going to learn how to make something or cook something and they're going to, you know, do things a certain way. And that's the nature of personal relationship. And it's good and it's fine. This is a real dated example, but it's only because I don't know anything about it and don't understand it. But I understand there's something at least once that was called Bunko. Do you know about Bunko? I don't know anything about Bunko. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just know that at one era in church life, there were all these girls and all these gals getting together for bunco parties. Like, oh, pastor, we love our bunco party. Jesus is there. Okay, what is that? And so people will get together for things like that, and it's perfectly fine and perfectly okay, and that's great. That's the nature of having fun things to do, and it's the nature of developing personal relationships with one another. Those things should always, always be taking place. But spiritually, in the gospel, in Jesus Christ, that is the deeper, deeper levels of knowing someone. It's not just professional. It's not just personal, it's spiritual. And those waters of the gospel run very deep. And God wants them to run deep because he is the grand connector. And so we can know one another spiritually. We can talk at a different level. I mean, if you don't believe, most people believe this, but if for some reason you would not believe this, then I would just ask you, even after church, to join me and others for prayer, and as we're going to pray for you, and see if that doesn't change the trajectory of how we even feel about one another. Not to mention our relationship with God. We're going to pray for one another, and pray the power of the Holy Spirit in one another. We're going to pray for the kingdom of God to come and live in you, and be vibrant in you, and be alive in you. We're going to ask that God will change whatever the issue is in your life, and, and that will actually bind us together spiritually at a depth that is not known except in that realm. Because it's God. Because it's God. So here's what we're not good at, though. Here, here's, here's some of the issues that sort of pervade us or plague us as people. And that is that we're not necessarily good communicators. We're, we're kind of like camels. We're kind of like camels as people. So, so you got to think about a camel, right? This is, I, I, I've actually been around camels when I was in the Middle East. Like those, I don't really like them. All right, those are a nasty creature. And I don't like riding them. I don't like being with them. And they, frankly, scare your pastor, all right? So I don't really dig camels, but I know a little bit about them. What's fascinating, as you know, is that they can hold water, and they can hold lots and lots of water. And they can walk through the hottest desert, and they can walk forever and walk forever and walk forever. But here's the thing about a camel. He will not tell you how he's doing. So a horse, for example, will start frothing at the mouth or start having behavior to tell you, I'm thirsty, I'm tired, I'm not doing well. The horse actually has various behavior to tell you that I'm not doing well, not the camel. The camel's just going to start walking. The camel's going to start walking. But the truth is that they're dying. They're in the desert and they're out of water. But, but their makeup is, I'm just going to keep walking. They're not going to whine. They're not going to complain. They're not even going to shake much at all. They're just going to keep walking. 
They're not going to put their head back and sort of neigh and that kind of thing. They're just going to keep walking until one day and one moment and one second they stop and they keel over and they die. And that is it. You talk to people in the Middle East and the Bedouins and you do any kind of research on the camel, that's actually the greatest fear of when they're taking camels across a hot desert because they know we won't know if he gives out. Well, that's like us. We're like that. Hey, brother, sister, how are you doing? I'm doing great. You sure about that? Okay, praise the Lord if it's true. And praise the Lord if you have the spiritual moral courage to go, you know what, I'm not doing well. Great. Thank you for telling me. I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to interact with you right now. Let me just at least listen for a few moments. And maybe I can't change anything. Maybe I don't understand all of this. But let me just, in this moment, let you know eyeball to eyeball, I care about you. I'm concerned about that. We frequently don't do that. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Five minutes before you were crying. And there's, there's sort of social ways, of course, to handle that. But what happens when you, when you are socially competent, when you are a person who's used to saying, I'm doing fine, who's like, well, this isn't the place for me to talk about this, or this isn't kind of the people that I'm going to share this with. When you do that, you're actually teaching yourself to constantly block people from loving you, being affectionate towards you, and pouring into you until you're that camel that keels over and dies. There's deeper levels of knowing allowing God to know you deeply and he'll show you how to love sweetly. All right, I want to go with a couple cross-references here and I want you to go with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Go to Ephesians chapter 3 and I want to, I want to give you an idea of what we're talking about here in the Lord. And I'm going to be in verse 14. This is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. And here's what the Bible says. This is actually a prayer by which we can know God. Again, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory. Church, can you say riches? We're talking about lots of glory. I want you to marinate on that. I want you to meditate on that phrase, the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength. Now listen, this is awesome. To comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now listen to Paul's meditation here, to which you have to shout amen at the end. He says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And what's it say? Amen. Amen. Connections. Connecting with God. 
And that connection is real and deep and sweet and ongoing. It's powerful. And he wants you to know that. He also imparts to you life and strength from that. So what you're, what you're realizing as you read these words is that he wants you to have this in your inner being through faith, and he wants you to have the strength and the comprehension that comes with it. He wants it to be imparted to you. Talk more about impartation in just a moment. I want to go to another section of the Bible, so I know I'm pushing a little bit today. But this is Philippians, so just go over in your Bible to Philippians. And I'm going to read in verse 4 and 5. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 says, let, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality to God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. Now, you want to underline that, church. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. I'm in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. And bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. This is the grace and the peace of knowing God and having God impart to us that kind of strength which we find here at the very end of our sections. Go back to 1 Thessalonians which says grace and peace to you. That idea of grace and peace to you is that Paul is actually saying, I want to impart to you. I want you to have it. I want to be inside of you. I want to impart to you this grace and peace. I want you to be free. I want you to be at peace. I want you to have this strength, this blessing, and this love. I'll do this very quickly because it came in a real personal manner, but I had a, my great-grandfather, well, actually, it was my great-great-uncle that is still alive and near 100 years old, and I found him on the island of Puerto Rico, and it turns out that he is on fire for Jesus. And uh, look, at this is a guy who's almost 100 years old, and he's sitting down. He's actually still a farmer, and he, and he gets up out of his chair. Give me a hug. When it's time for me to leave, he says, my son, come here. It's all in Spanish. And he lays his hands on me, and he goes, I'm going to impart to you my, the blessings which Christ has given to me. And I'm going to watch it as I give it to you, go through every generation, because my prayer is for you and your wife and your children, and those grandchildren of yours are my children someday, and so I am now going to impart to them the knowledge of Christ. And it was like the heavens opened up and cut me in two. And I, I just wept. I was frozen. I couldn't even move as that blessing was coming. And so, church, this idea of grace and peace to you is a version and form of those kind of impartations by which we want to gather together for prayer. And sometimes we say, just give it to me. If the Holy Spirit wants to impart to me the kingdom of God, then just give it to me. 
And if I come needy and broken, then just give it to me because God is actually wanting you to have this grace and peace. Thank you for listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com.